Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back. Final hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton headed out to a charity event. So in his place, uh, only one of the greatest pitchers of our generation, Kurt Schilling. If you don't know who this man is, you've been living under a rock. And again, if you're a sports fan, you know the name Kurt Schilling. Great pitcher now with the Outkick Network and the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. You can catch at outkick.com twice a week. You can check back for it to uh, watch Kurt. Welcome into the studio, man. Appreciate you coming by. Yeah, big day. Big day, bad day for the Mets with Justin Verlander and the news out there with the Terrace Major. You're shaking your head. Do you think it's not as (laughs) bad as I'm saying? No, no, no. I'm just thinking about Mets and Yankee fans today. This is the dichotomy of being one or the other is profound today. The Yankees, Cole strikes out. 500 guys in six innings and Judge struck Holmes out six first. guys in the first two innings. Yeah, he which had is 10 a, a new record. Four. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Judge Homer's his first at bat. And that's the news out of the Bronx. And the news out of the Queens is Verlander to the DL. <laughs> it's like I have a friend who's a, a, a and so we have somebody here at, at, at Outkick that we're, that is big Mets fans. And they're like, yeah, Gary, really? Yep. I mean, is this how we're going to start the season? But um, I wanted to quickly touch on the Verlander thing because. A cu- there's a couple things to, to understand about this. First of all, the Terry's major is not part of the rotator cuff. Everybody's always assumed that it was, or it's been talked about as it was, but, but it's a very rare injury. And it's, it's potentially, I said on, uh, earlier, my quote was potentially terrifying because there is no real cure for this. And if it is what they say it is, he's not throwing. The Mets are saying, oh, he's going to throw my, well, no, he won't throw at all. And, and, and I, I, I asked for the rubber band for this reason. If you think about a strain, strain sounds very, Simple. Yeah. Sounds very uh, uncomfortable. Right, right. And so what a strain basically is. So if this is the Terry's major muscle, and it's behind the lat in the back of the shoulder, uh, very intricate and very involved in the throwing uh, delivery. But when you think about a strain, so if I pull a rubber band and I stretch it to the point where I start to break the tensile strength, that's a strain. Now, you can't see any damage, but yeah. there is damage to the tissue because it's, it's less strong than it was before right so there's t- a, a strain is actual physical damage so there's damage but to- you didn't pull apart the exactly band. so that's the tear it breaks right and and so what you've done is you've loosened the strength of that muscle which is a major piece of the delivery and so you don't throw you're not going to throw and be be monitored you know moderate throwing you're going to shut it down that's where the the when you're talking about pitchers and injuries that's why there is no two weeks for a pitcher Right, he's going to be shut down for seven to ten days. Then they're going to re-look at it, and the MRI is such an inexact science that there's no telling. And and all this is to say, I hope it's not what they say it is. Uh, I hope he's back soon because baseball is better for Justin Verlander being on the mound. But I'm I, I think it's more like you're looking at thirty days as a, an optimistic. Do you think thirty days until he throws again, I think or thirty, 30 days, days until, until he, he could possibly, possibly okay. be pitching again? And I to me that's optimistic if this is what they say it is. Well, and you couple this with Ed, Edwin Diaz. We've talked to you about that with the closer. 
And they still have a lot of talent Absolutely. left. You don't have a three hundred and almost thirty-six million dollar payroll nope. without having a lot of other guys there. And but to that point, it is though, a very Met start right. to the season. To but, what you're saying, but here's the thing: uh, uh, as a Mets fan, I would be confident on two things. Number one, Buck Schultz was my manager, and I, nobody manages a roster better than he's the best I ever played for. Uh, and number two, if your team was built around one guy, you weren't a World Series contender anyway, and they aren't. She's Scherzer's throwing lights out today. Uh, he's your ace. Verlander is kind of, you know, cherry on the top. Um, and, and we'll talk about this later, but the unbalanced schedule changes everything, right? Yeah. The, the Mets are no longer playing the Braves 18 times. Now they're getting the Pirates and the Reds more, you know, and so that cha- that's another big change. But, but this, if, if this ruins their World Series aspirations, then they weren't the team I thought they were. Well, and so Steve Cohen, you know, spending all this money, you got Rob Manfred talking about it now, Kurt, where he's saying... I've been dealing with this since 1987 when I was first working with the league. This is nothing new, but when you push it this far, you know, it's, it's going to cause issues if it keeps going more and more. I also hear this story, and I think this is a reminder that I do think if you spend enough, you can guarantee some things. You're going to have enough talent to be relevant throughout the year, but it is difficult to just buy a World Series right. because impossible. of variables like this, it's right? right. And that's maybe a reminder that we're getting today with this news to a lot of people who well, maybe didn't understand that. So, so baseball payroll disparity is, is uh, Major League Baseball's version of global warming. It's been talked about forever. It's always been talked about as this un- incoming, traumatic, degenerate problem. And, and the fact of the matter, it's not. If you look at the world champions from 1987, the year you mentioned, to now, it's as varied as anything. Right. You can look at all the teams and I because I heard you talking about this earlier. Um, and, you know, all the teams at the bottom, those bottom right, 10 right. teams. But yeah. you can go back in the last 30 years for the most part and find all 10 of those teams thriving and winning. Yeah, they've, they've all made a run right. at some point. Right. The and, Guardians won the division last year. Which they did. I brought up. They did. Yeah. And, and, and but again, you're I think you're getting back to the point where I think uh, I think payroll disparity is going to be less of an issue with the. Because the, the, the change in the schedule is dramatic. It's very dramatic, and it's going to have a huge impact across all of baseball. Um, I, I understand your point because that, that cost gets passed on to the fan. Yep. And, and as the fan, you can't go out and, and enjoy a Major League Baseball game for less than 500 bucks. Now, that's not true in all places, in, in Tampa and all the things that go with that. But baseball is also in a couple cities it shouldn't be in. Uh, and there are a couple cities like this one that should have a Major League Baseball franchise because of the fan base, even though it was funny coming in. I'm listening to you guys talk about the NFL on opening day in baseball. Football is king here, yeah. and, and rightly so. But, but this fan base here has proven with the Predators that they can support and, and, and like not just a football over-the-top support. Because yeah. hockey here is phenomenal, and people that don't live here don't understand what the Predators have done. Right. So well, it's no, it's a great point. I, I want to get into that too about markets where we could see Major League Baseball right. sooner rather than later because Rob Manfred's on record. They want to expand. They they want to go into They're new going markets. They're to Vegas at, at I, least. I, absolutely, yeah. I think that's a no brainer, and it's going to happen at some point. But when we look at the payroll disparity, how much of it is because I I do think that, and I fall victim to this where oh well, how are the Reds going to compete, and how are the Pirates going to compete? And we go, well, it's just the big bad Yankees right. or the New York teams that do this. But how much of it, Kurt, is, is legitimately they don't have the funds to spend at that same level? And how much of it is just greed? Where owners are saying, I'd rather make all the profit I can 
and then basically screw my fans out of a good product because I don't want to give that profit back to players and try to put a competitive team on the field. The answer to that question is yes. Yeah, yeah that's both. what's going it's on. Both. Right. And, and I was, but do you think there's both of that happening? Absolutely. Or, okay. Here, here's the thing. I was, in, I was a player rep during the strike in 94, yep. and I was in labor negotiations with the owners. And I don't know if people here, uh, uh, probably a younger audience than remembering 94. but during I the remember it well. During the 94 strike and lockout, we were sitting across from owners who were telling us, give us uh, uh, you know, a salary cap, help us, help us stop spending money on you, yeah. which is kind of, you know, okay. Which is not what you want to right, hear. Right, right. But at the same time, they're talking about uh, payroll disparity and, you know, these guys are doing this and these guys are doing that. During the lockout, Jerry Reinsdorf goes out and signs Albert Bell to a record contract. And then we're sitting across the table the next day and we're like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and, and so they can't get out of their, their own way, number one. And number two, this could all be solved if you take all their revenue, put it in a pool and share it. Well, and that's, and you've hit on that before. And that's the greed part. They won't do that because can you imagine the Yankees and they're multi-billions in revenue per year sharing with the Pirates who don't put that money into the payroll, or the Reds who have turned a franchise and a city, by the way, that was bananas for the Cincinnati Reds. The 70s Reds, the big red machine, the place was sold out every night. Yeah. Well, here's so you were a part of this with the negotiations as a player rep, and so you know this. The Major League Baseball Players Association has long been the strongest by in far, sports. yes. So I always compare it to the MLBPA is almost like the NFL owners because the NFL owners have discovered they don't lose. Instead of taking this robber baron mentality that you see with Major League Baseball owners where it's, I'm going to get mine, you worry about yours, I'm going to spend what I want, don't care what you spend. It's more of a communal sense with the owners that, hey, if the 32 of us get together on everything, we're going to make a lot more money together, right? right? Yep. That's what you realize as a player rep with Major League Baseball and those two sides fighting each other, I think that's long been an issue for it's the for the sport for, and the not game. Good for the sport, absolutely. But how much could the? I mean, let's say Kurt Schilling now is a part owner in a major league baseball team. Would your advice to fellow owners be, we need to unite a little bit more for the better of the sport? Yes, but what happened in the NFL is unbelievably rare, right? Because but they've come to the realization that it, it, it's all you know the three musketeers, one for all, all for one. Yep. What if if if. We all, if we win, we all win. And, and, and the NFL is a, and, and here's the thing. The problem is from a fan perspective, it's a sport. From their perspective, there's nothing about it that's a sport. It's a business. It's a multi, $10 billion plus dollar a year business. And so that's how, which is fine. I don't have a problem with owners complaining about salaries uh, as long as, because they're making money. You look at these franchise values are insane, right? I mean, the Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators in the NHL are like this $6 billion franchise, and they were bought, you know, pennies on the dollar. Baseball's the same way. These franchise values are going through the roof. And, and good for them, but you can't have both sides of the fence, and you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Well, so the Oakland A's and Moneyball, right? right? That's, That's one. That's screwed I, it up for all the small market teams, yeah, by the well, way. And, yeah, and speaking of small market teams, I'm looking at this list. They're dead last at $43 million. And that's nine million less than the Baltimore Orioles, right. compared to three hundred thirty-six million for the Mets. So three thirty-six down to the A's at forty-three million. That's how big it is from top to bottom in Major League Baseball. But with the A's, I feel like at least the thinking was, boy, they're doing what they can, and at least they're trying really hard in their system and how they go about fielding a competitive team most years. Kurt, do you think that every owner out there is really trying? Or are there are a couple of owners maybe that aren't necessarily tanking, 
but just saying, what's the least I can do yeah, I don't to care. put a major league team on the field? Well, I think that's happening in Cincinnati. I think before Mr. Angelos relegated ownership or control to his sons, that I think he ruined that franchise in Baltimore, a city that deserves – and same thing with, with, with Cincinnati – um, and two great baseball markets, unbelievably right? Unbelievably great baseball markets. And, and I, I think that's happened, but there is no accountability. You know, they, they, they don't have to answer to anybody other than fans. And for the most part, they don't really care. Uh, and then you have at the other end of the spectrum, you have the Cohen guys who cares deeply. What, you know, the only thing owners hate worse than losing money is bad PR. And so there are a lot of them don't want. And then there are others that don't care. The Kansas City franchise is owned by probably one of the richest men on the planet. They don't spend. Yeah. You know, and that, but the fact of the matter is, I think the so Oakland basically sees like an ATM. Ex- exactly. And, and listen, would you know who any of these men are if they didn't own these teams? No, it's, it's very unlike NFL ownership where you know every owner of every team. And you do because they're a prominent. Jerry Jones is yeah. the face of the Dallas Cowboys. What Major League Baseball owner is the Mark, da- Mark Cuban's face of the Mavericks? What baseball owner? Okay, so I want to ask you about Mark Cuban. I'm, I'm thrilled you brought him up. He wants to own a Major League Baseball team. He's long talked about it when the Cubs were up for sale. He tried to get a group together to buy them. Right. He's, he's talked publicly about if a team comes for sale, he wants to buy them. I look at the Red situation where you have the owner last year challenging the fans saying, where else are you going to go? Right. To everyone who wants to bitch and complain about us, yep. where are you going to go here in Cincinnati? And I'm thinking, what if a Mark Cuban came in with his billionaire status but celebrity status and made moves for the Reds? Wouldn't that be good for the sport? Well, I th- I, I, it'd be great for the sport, but... He is the antithesis of current ownership's desire for new owners. They don't want the guy that's going to step out of line. They want the guy that's going to fall in line. That's a good point. When the CBA and Mark Cuban would be like, "Hey, listen, guys, we're making ten billion dollars a year. Let's just share the money. You you might make uh, two hundred million less, but you're still making one point four billion. Whatever. He's that rational, logical guy who brings to the party common sense at a party where there is none. And these and and so the greed thing overweighs logic and common sense, and it, it's not just in sports; it's in all life. But in baseball, it's absolutely prominent. So, where should Major League Baseball go next? We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into some of the teams starting with Opening Day today. Some Cy Young favorites, rules changes. We're just getting started. A lot of baseball to talk on this Opening Day with Kurt Schilling, who's in studio with us for the next forty-five minutes. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pardon me, I'm just taking some gambling advice from Kurt Schilling on opening day. Major League Baseball games out there right now. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I'm Chad Withrow. Kurt Schilling in studio talking all things Major League Baseball right now. Um, Kurt, we, we see it. You know, we talked about Justin Verlander and her, his injury. Max Fried for the Braves today leaves in the fourth inning with hamstring tightness. Uh, we see this a lot early in the year. Um is it, 
Is it regimen in terms of getting ready for the season? Is this just a natural thing because this is when the live bullets, so to speak, are flying in Major League Baseball, real games? What is it exactly? It's part of the process. It's part of the process. The, um, the, the thing about pitching specifically is the, it, it goes, the human body, we're going to work the mic. Yeah, out. we got to get this mic worked um, out here. The human body is not conditioned to do it. Right, the human body. I'll hold it right here. I'll just be. Yeah, honest. that's fine. The human body is not conditioned to do it. So the arm stuff is just—it's just an unnatural act with your arm, and the leg stuff is just a byproduct. These guys are max effort. This is, and I, I talk about this in the preseason. The, this is the last progression. There's five or six steps you take as a pitcher, where you ramp up the intensity level. You can't replicate that before that. You can't replicate the intensity of opening day until opening day shows up. So you're asking your body to pick it up at each level. And at that last level on opening day, you're going to see some guys with those things. And so that, that those are the things that are going to happen. That's why, to me, the WBC was such a no-no. I, as an organization, I would never let my pitchers go and pitch in the WBC. It's really okay if you guys are seen on camera. We can, yeah, we can, yeah. work, we can work this mic out. It's fine. I promise you will not get in trouble by anyone. We'll, we'll get your mic fixed there, Kurt, yep. and get it in the right spot. So where Major League Baseball could go. Um, you mentioned Nashville, where the show is originating from right. right now. That's one of the top ones. I think Rob Manfred even put out there four different big possibilities. Vegas, which you mentioned, Nashville, Charlotte, uh, Montreal is yeah. another one. Uh, of where the sport should go next, Kurt, what do you think makes the most sense in terms of where this game can really grow and what markets make sense? Where it could thrive in certain places. I honestly feel like there's two. It, it, it's there's one. Vegas is a guarantee. The first team I think that moves will go to Vegas. The NFL proved that they, they can work and all the things that go with it. That that'll be a no brainer because and you're, with the enormous influx of gambling uh, in the game, uh, while there may be hesitancy to move to Vegas, there's a recognition of the enormous amounts of revenue. And not only that, think of all the Yankees, Red Sox, Phillies, Cubs. All those fan bases that will regularly go to Vegas well, that's, for trips, and you're just going to have the, the rotating those tourists are the, that are in town. Those are the same groups that go to Tampa and Miami to watch their teams. Yeah. That's why those markets are not viable for either club. Yeah. They're, they're, and it's mainly the same thing with spring training, and I learned this. I grew up in Arizona. Nobody's born and raised in Phoenix. Nobody's born and raised in Florida. You move there. And so it's a transient population and they come with the Cubs. They come with the Red Sox. They come with the Yankees. We used to go to Tampa as, as a Red Sox there was 25,000 Red Sox fans in the stadium. Wow. And it was, it was a home game. Um, I, I think Vegas at the top, I, I think 1A is Nashville. Uh, having now lived here for a couple of years and seeing the fan base, I think this is kind of a no-brainer. They have, a, uh, I think, a phenomenal group put together to try and bring that franchise here. The Nashville Sounds, have, have, they, they have a storied history and a good one. And, and I think there's some indicators from a minor league perspective. You know, you look at the Pawtucket Red Sox, right? By, I mean, those things, Nashville wouldn't have to go anywhere. The Sounds could still do what they do. Uh, and even more so if, if their big club was the Nashville team. Yeah. You know, those connections are great. So I think those two, Montreal, I, I think, here's what I think. I think that that would be a stupid decision that wouldn't shock me if Major League Baseball made it. That yeah. there, there's no chance that the market up there is is survivable. It, it just isn't. Is the history of the Montreal Expos overrated? Because I feel like it, there was a time they were a very good franchise. Yes. There was a time where Olympic Stadium was rocking for games. But does that matter in 2023 
when you look back at what was going on in 1983. The greatest team I, that, to never win a World Series, in my opinion, is the 1994 Montreal Expos. They would have won it. They would have dominated, and they would have been dominating. They were dominating my Braves that, that year in the NL East. That has never been a market that, had, in my mind, can support a Major League franchise. And in this day and age, with technology and the TV and all the things that go with that, I, I don't think for a second that, that that market will ever be able to support it to the, to the level of financial revenue and revenue gain that Major League Baseball is seeing now, unless they revenue share. Boy, it is exciting to think about the Tampa Bay Rays in Nashville oh. and a Nashville club being in that AL East. Spending money. And you know all the Braves fans in this region from TBS back in the day, they could have their National League team, but Nashville would have an American League East team would be pretty cool. Uh, to think about. No well, about I also it. think we're, we may be less than a decade away from going back to old school baseball where you have 16 teams in the American League, 16 teams in the National League with no divisions. And the top eight teams qualify or something to that effect because the, the unbalanced schedule now no longer changes everything. And that's going to be, I, I think that's going to be a very dramatic thing is you're gambling the over and unders this year. That is by far the biggest impacting factor. It's why I think the, the Orioles and the Diamondbacks will both have very good years, and I wouldn't have any issues taking the over with their win totals this year on both clubs because they're not getting 36 games against the Padres and Dodgers, and they're now playing the Royals or and the Pirates and the Reds. So that's going to be a big one. Did you see? I know you were here a little bit early watching some of the games. I'm sure you watched earlier as well. Did you see any noticeable difference with the rule changes oh, from these early games? The and it totally caught me off guard. I saw no less than five base hits that were outs against the shift. Really? Yes. No, unquestionably. And by the way, that's the one people aren't talking about because they're talking about the speed of the game now with the pitch count. It is. Pitch clock. I saw five, ten. It could be a freak sample, and yeah. it's obviously a small sample size, but I didn't know that it would happen five times in a couple days, much less five times in a series of games early in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, legitimately where you have the second baseman making a play to his right that he can't make where the shortstop would have been sitting if that ball had been hit. Or the second baseman making a play to his left of the first baseman, that ball between them, where the second baseman would have been in right field being a hit. Yeah. That caught me very, very surprised. And then the stolen base stuff. You're gonna, people are going to see, and you're going to see when you go back tonight, everybody's going to be talking about it. There were a couple of situations where the pitcher thrown over and the base runner had carte blanche to go. Because if the pitcher throws over and doesn't get you, it's a walk. And they went. And that, that they're going to, I think they're going to run all day long. Do you like that? I know as a pitcher, it's probably frustrating to watch. It, do, it doesn't. But for the game, do you like it? Here's the thing. As a pitcher, I, I, it was like pitching in bad weather. The other guy has to do it too, so don't bitch about it. Just figure out how you're going to fix it. I, I would have spent spring training creating methodologies, methods that allowed me to prohibit that because the run game was something I stopped early in my career, and I was very adamant about stopping. I was very quick to the plate and yada, yada, yada. But it's, you have to study. You have to know these base runners because the base runners are going to study the hell out of these pitchers. And it, it's, it, they're, it, there's going to be kind of a track meet going on for, with some of these teams. Do, do you feel like um, watching the game, the, the pitch clock and everything else, is that – if we're looking at different issues around the game of baseball and what needs to be fixed or what's working or, or what's not, is that high on the list of priorities? Because I, everybody's talking about the 26 minutes that were shaved off in spring right. training and how's it going to look during the regular season – how important is that to you? Well, here's the thing. I, I, I'm a, uh, I've grown up and lived in the game my whole life as a fan. I know that with the pitch clock, there would have been no Kirk Gibson at bat. There probably wouldn't have been a Joe Carter at bat. There probably wouldn't have been Bucky Dent at bat. Because when you go back and look at those, those were three, four, five-minute events. And that was the drama, right? 
Gibson hobbling around in the on-deck circle after a swing and all the... You take those away. You can only step out of the box once. So those, those potential at-bats are... And not that they won't have moments now, but you're not going to have that late-inning drama. And you can't change the rules when you go to the postseason. Yeah. What if you could change the rules when you get to the ninth inning? <laughs> well, again, I mean, about that, wouldn't that be no, something if you had that? I don't think you can do that. I really don't think... Because you're, you're not... Especially not now. The season started. Yeah. You spent all spring doing this. You know, if you're going to change these rules you got to give me as a player time to prepare myself. I think it's a much, much bigger uh, impact on the hitter than it is on the pitcher. And, and that I've kind of moved my thinking. But I also said when that rule came out, the only pitchers this will affect are pitchers that stink. Because good pitchers work fast by nature. You saw Scherzer experimenting with it in a couple different games in spring training. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, you can like it or not like it. It's the rules. You better get ready for it. You better get used to it. And you better know how to use it. Another reason is if I'm a Met fan, that I'm feeling optimistic. Buck Showalter will exploit everything he can from an advantageous perspective with that, with the rules and his team. Is there another manager? You, you've talked a lot about Buck Showalter. Is there another manager currently? And there's some guys who've been around for a long time that were managing against you that you really admire Terry how Francona. they go about their job. I, I played for Tito. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, I mean, he's one of my favorite people in the world. I think he's one of the best. To me, Buck is the best X's and O's manager I've ever been around. I think he manages a game. I think every single matchup in a game uh, is is no surprise to Buck. I think he's that prepared. Terry was the best people manager I've ever been around, and that might even be, had the recent quote about I'm not going to apologize for getting close to my players and he, caring about them. Right, and I think today in this day and age with the general manager and sabermetrics, I think being the better people manager might be as as important, if not more important, than the X's and O's guys because you've got 26 alphas in the room. And if you don't have a clubhouse that can police itself, which you don't have a lot of that these days because these guys are coming up younger and younger, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a vibe to them that never existed when I played as a young player that happens now, and it's, it's just different. Did opening day in Major League Baseball ever become not as special to you as a player, or was it always something that was very important? It was always. Opening day for me, like I'm looking at opening day today, I'm looking at Aaron Nola. Right, because I want to understand how Aaron Nola is going to be in a big game. Because this is a big game. You get ready differently for opening day than you do for your other starts. And anybody that says they don't is is kind of a liar. He's not only is he pitching opening day, but he's going up against Degrom. And and Nola is already a well known, well established guy. But th those are the games you make your reputations in. Opening day, the second half, opening day after the All Star game, postseason games, the all those are different starts. All of them are different starts for me. Mentally, they were. By the way, uh, right now it's Phillies 5, Rangers 2 in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Aaron Nola in the game, but runners on second and third with one out. So this game could get very interesting yeah. quickly. They scored, I think, five off the Grom, which watching yeah. him throw, I don't understand. because That's just another team, I feel like, with the Rangers that sometimes the Mets also, you get the guy you want, and then they get there and they're not the same. We've seen that before with the Rangers. But they do have two, the Maddox brothers are over there. Uh, and yeah. they are the best pitching minds on the planet. And so Jacob DeGrom, who already was Maddox-like with his command, getting the Maddox touch, that scares me. Do you have interest in working with young pitchers at I all? I love working with young pitchers. I've always loved. I love. It's the one thing I know. I, it's the one thing I think I can teach. It's the one thing I think I can, I can create. And, you know, I, I, I take my old mentor's uh, a stance on that. With Johnny Padre he said, give me an arm and I'll make you a pitcher. You know, I, I believe I have the ability to do that, with, especially with young kids. I love working I know you talked kids. about one time with us working with a, a former teammate's son, I think. And that, that is something that you would you'd oh, be interested in doing more of. Yes, I love doing that.
Yeah, no, it's it's uh, you certainly. By the way, five to five now, uh, three run homer for the go. Rangers. So there you go. You bring up Aaron Nola, he gives up a three run bomb, and that Sorry, game is Aaron. now tied. Yeah, um, Angels. I know you like them. Uh, obviously, Otani and Mike Trout. Is this the year this team gets the playoffs? I like them today, plus one and a half. Yeah, um, but. No, I can't. I, I don't. I, I don't have an answer to that. You have the two best players in the world, and you're not even remotely contending. Um, and it, it, for the most part, it has to do with the pitching staff. And, and while they did make some moves, I don't know that they made the moves they need to make to compete in that division. However, I'm going to go back to the thing I keep pounding on: the 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 schedule changes are dramatic. The Angels are now playing the Royals and the Tigers more instead of the Astros and the Mariners. That's going to be an enormous change. And I, I, I don't know for it's for, I always like divisional play because it focused on the best teams in the division, but you had your Cleveland's beating up on the Royals 18 times yeah. or beating up, you know, and now that's not the case. So I think it's going to have a dramatic effect. I think it's going to possibly create some parody. I think that's what it I, I wasn't looking at it as a parody thing, but I really think that's going to create some parody. How does it change roster construction, right? I mean, it, the, weren't there times, I would think, where you were building a roster with lefty-righty based on your biggest rival in the right. division or who you know you right. were going up against the division? Does that change things now from absolutely. that perspective? For the good general managers, absolutely. They go into the winter saying, okay, instead of facing Tampa, who has three lefties and we need a right-handed lineup to match with them, we're only going to see them six times or eight times, so not as important. You know, before you had... One league building a roster with a designated hitter and the other not. And then you had integrated interleague play where you had one team building a roster with a DH who sometimes couldn't play and the other team building a roster with a DH who sometimes could play. So I didn't like that dynamic. I didn't like that change. I thought it was stupid in the, in the World Series. And But you can't – I don't think you can get to the World Series and put make two rosters play differently, which is yeah. what you did. Um, now that's gone. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Although as a pitcher, it sucks because I don't want to face – I now have to face 16 other teams with a DH as opposed to facing me as the pitcher. And I know I wasn't nearly as big of a threat as any of the DHs that I saw in the game. But I, it's good for the players because more players get to play and more players get, get paid. And, and, you know, that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. When you look at umpiring in today's game versus maybe when even when you played – is there a big difference? What is the state of umpiring right now in Major League Baseball? It hasn't changed enough. Um, the the Quest Tech system and the integration of the automated strike zone and the conversation around electronic umpires and all that other stuff hasn't changed the fact that for the most part they're not accountable. And that is, to me, that's a huge problem. When a player does poorly, he gets sent to AAA. Why is the same method not applied to Major League umpires? Because we found out with Quest Tech and the automated strike zone um, and I did a lot of studying when it first started. It's like you're a Supreme Court justice. It's a well, lifetime appointment once is. you get moved up. And it doesn't matter how bad you suck. Right. Right. And I knew that because, I mean, there are umpires in the big leagues who have no business being on a big league field who are tenured now. They're tenure guys. But the thing was that I learned, and this is kind of important for fans, when the, you see the umpire's scores, the umpires are not graded on the outer two inches and inner two inches of the plate. Because those are marginal calls that, that they... So they don't even look at that one way or the other. Those pitches aren't counted when the umpire... If an umpire is 100% correct, he's 100% correct on the balls. Right over, down the middle. Over the plate or off the plate. I did not know that. And the So even if it was ball or strike based on review, it wouldn't matter if they got it right or wrong. Those pitches don't count right or okay. wrong. So they have a margin for error. Well, I don't as a player. I ha Those are the four inches I have to live on if I want to be good. 
I'm going to work in those four inches. I, and when I was going well, I could move the ball in four, five, six inch increments around the plate. And I used my first inning to figure out where the umpire was calling that ball. And then, okay, now I'm going to use that pitch when I need to make that pitch. When those pitches aren't a factor in the scoring, then you don't have a real score. Now, that's not to say there were obviously, there were upper echelon umpires, the Ed Rapuanos of the world, um, who were just phenomenal. And then you had guys like Eric Gregg, who, God bless Eric Gregg, but that guy called, if it was a day game and hot, he, he had to get off the field. Because he couldn't take a full day game. Yeah. So you knew as a pitcher, the plate was good. And LeVon Hernandez struck out 15 in the postseason with Eric Gregg behind the plate. And the last one was like nine inches off the plate. I mean, you have those things happen. Now with Questick, you don't. But there's no accountability for bad scoring. That's the problem I have. Angel Hernandez shouldn't be in the big leagues. His scoring sucks. He's not a good umpire. Never has been. And the fact of the matter, he's still in the big leagues. He, there's no, that tells me there's no accountability for bad umpires. I saw you tweet something uh, the other day, a, a retweet of a video of an umpire with very sensitive ears <laughs> that ends up tossing someone quickly. How big of a pet peeve is that for you? You can't do it. As an umpire, you can't do it. You're, here's the thing. The umpire is the only guy in a stadium that all the fans can agree they hate. Every night. No one, no one is coming to see you play. And if you're noticed, it means you did something wrong for the most part. And, and so when you start to see overturned calls at first base being 40% or 50%, you realize, wait a minute, you're not really that good. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And, good point. And, and because the game is so fast that you almost, it almost begs for electronic oversight. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I get the reason. You want to keep the human element in it and all this stuff. But Jim Joyce ruining Galarraga's perfect game, that's not a fun thing to remember. Jim Joyce is one of the greatest human beings that ever lived. Yeah. He made a bad call. Which now would have been overturned. Which now would have been overturned. He would have had a perfect game. You know, those, and so in that sense, that's a good thing that we're getting to, because you want a game to end with the final score being a result of proper calls. But, but, but baseball is different. And, and it's always been the human element in, in umpiring has always been a factor in the outcome of the game. And maybe it shouldn't be. And, and I struggle with this, even in other sports, watching a football game or a basketball game, NCAA tournament, they're going to the, the booth to check a play over and over. I'm thinking, let's just play. Whatever the call is, let's go with it and get going quickly. And I think about Major League Baseball and the possibilities one day you've got the robot umpire calling balls and strikes. It's going to happen. We ultimately always go back to, right, Kurt, that we want to get it right. Let's right. get it right and let everything else fall into place. I don't necessarily feel that way about baseball with balls and strikes, but in the end, I still want to get it right. Here's why you will. When Tim Donahue got exposed as a cheater yeah, and we realized that he probably wasn't the only one the influx, and, and I don't even know what the number is, the amount of money coming into professional sports through gambling is in the hundreds of billions. The question around how many weeks in the NFL, every week, do you hear, oh my God, that game was totally fixed. That game was fixed. Because there's a call where you and I are looking at it going, wait a minute, are you kidding me? Well, the NBA really has this problem now because right. of Tim Donahue. Exactly. But that's going, that, there's no doubt in my mind that that's going to carry over to other sports. And with billions of dollars on the line, you're going to have the call. Well, we had a call. The Super Bowl, the, the, the Bengals and, and Rams. The end of the Super Bowl, the way the penalties were called, the game got played yeah. the, until the last minute. Yeah. And if you're in a conspiracy, you're like, oh my. And, and it's not irrational anymore to think that because you're talking about tens of billions of dollars. So the way to me, the way to solve that is electronic balls and strikes. Eye in the sky. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. lie. Doesn't. And I don't know that that's better or worse, but the fact of the matter is I think it's almost inevitable. Yeah. The tennis system. 
for in or out, I don't know that anyone argues with that. No, you right? can't. You look at it, right. and say, oh, okay. People react to the challenge, and then because there's you very move few calls where you can look at it and go, hmm, I can't really tell. They're always, pretty most part, definitive. And when they're not, you don't overturn the call. Was there an umpire that you just knew that you could rib with him back and forth over the course of the game? So uh, most that way, and no, some, some sensitive or no? I'll backtrack. So, so I had a notebook on hitters, a regular notebook every year that I kept and kept it up. I had the same notebook on umpires. So every spring, when the umpire media guide would come out, I would be the first guy to get one other than like front office people, because I would read up on all the umpires. I understood all of their personal stuff because that relationship is as important. It, it's a, it, the major leagues is hard. It's really hard to get hitters out. When I have to get the hitter out and the umpire I need help from, yeah, that's a problem. So, so I, rec- I, I categorize them three ways. There were the guys that were great and good guys, Ed Rapuano's of the world, Jim Joyce's of the world, Kerwin uh, Cur- uh, uh, Danley was... This, I could discuss with him. but And then there were the middle-of-the-road guys who, for the most part, were younger guys that I could, and as a veteran, I could kind of walk them into the game and, and, and get them. And then there were guys that sucked. The guys that sucked, I just acted however one day because they weren't, it didn't matter. They were so bad that they were just going to be bad. You just hope they were bad for you that day yeah. as opposed to the other guys. But I had notes on them all, and, and I knew their strike zones. And, and early in my career, I found a website out of Vegas that kept umpire statistics for gamblers. And I use that religiously because if I'm going to throw a pitch in the eighth inning on the inside part of the plate to ring up a hitter and the umpire behind the plate doesn't call this side of the plate, that's on me. You know, it, it puts more accountability on the pitcher, but I wanted to be the, the guy that everything rested on when I was out there. So, so I had a book. I talked to them because in the National League, in my early, I had 700 some bats in the big leagues. I'm at the plate, time out, you know, go to the talking about the guy and do whatever. I would lean over and go, hey, Wally, you know, Nebraska sucks. Because yeah. he went to Nebraska, and, yeah. and you know, we would start band, whatever. But it was also a way for me to understand, can I ask you during the game about balls and strikes? So I'd be out there, and, and I would throw a pitch that I, he calls the ball, and I'd be like, you know, is that out? And the good ones would go, yeah, that's out. Or the bad, if I, if I threw a pitch that I knew was right down the middle, I would go, is that ball out? If he called it a ball, and they'd go, yeah, that was outside. And be like, you're full of but shit. Some, but some of the better ones would say. The good ones always. And I, that's I, what missed, I, tell I you, probably missed that one. The good ones always. I tell young players, young umpires all and the time. And you can't really say anything to you them. You can't. Okay. There's no argument. Yeah. If I keep arguing, throw me out. Yeah. I had a, a World Series game. Ed Wapuano was behind the home plate. I th- uh, Shane Spencer was hitting for the Yankees. And I could only, in my mind, I could only throw in the Yankee Stadium. I could throw him a fastball away one time in the first pitch. I needed that strike. Threw him, strike one away. Ed called it a ball. I was like, oh, man, come on. Because this guy was barreling me the whole World Series. And he looks at me kind of with his face, and I'm like, okay, he knows he missed it. Next pitch, fastball away, he hits a home run to right field. Ed is like literally jogging out like, dude, that's my fault. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Knew right away. Yes, yep. I, I love that. Um, how, many, how many pitchers do you think, even in your day or now, go to those links in terms of studying the umpires, the way you would study them? Um, I know Clemens did. That's who I got it from. Um, I'm assuming Maddox did as well. Glavin, I, I, I don't I'm know. trying to go through yeah, Smoltz. I don't know. Right, no, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, here's the thing. A lot of guys I played with didn't do it because the level of accountability it moved to you increased, right? If, if somebody else is making my scouting report and they're setting up my defense, then if I give up a hit, it's their fault. Like, you should have had a guy there. And I knew pitchers that did that. And, and for me, it was, I, I positioned my defense when I played. And, and I would tell my left fielder, listen, on Tony Gwynn, play in. 
because he's not going to hit the ball over your head. If he does, it's my fault. He's going to hit a line drive to left field because I'm going to throw him fastballs away, blah, blah, blah. And my hitters, my defenders will say, well, what if he hits it? I said, if he hits it by you, it's on me. He's Kurt Schilling. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton, he'll be back with us tomorrow. Talking Major League Baseball, we're going to talk a little Cy Young. Talk some current Major League Baseball pitching. When we come back, this is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. talk about him wearing high tops and they found the right type shoes for Schilling to pitch with and the story is he's not pitching with him as Al showed us out in the bullpen and the question is is that the Marcane itself that they're shooting into that ankle or blood from the shots but like a scene from the natural Schilling climbs the mound and prepares to take on this Yankee lineup. Kurt of all the things <laughs> I remember about that night and watching that game uh, I don't remember the part that Joe Buck just mentioned about different cleats that yeah. you were wearing. Uh, yeah, so we, you normally oh. were wearing high tops. No, no, no. We, we uh, after game one, when I was done after game one, there was just no chance I was going to pitch. Um, and so for the next two days, we tried everything. We had Nike or Reebok send us high tops and we put braces around them and it was futile. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, and then Dr. Frankenstein, I mean, Dr. Morgan came up with the Hey, I tried something on a cadaver last night. What do you think? And I was like, dude, let's go for it. You That's know, so, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was an experience. What are the chances Shohei Otani could win both MVP and Cy Young? Good. He should have won it last year. He should have won the MVP last year. Which is insane, but right. you're right. No. He's that good. $600 million next year. Somebody's going to give him $600 million. Do you think it's going to be the Yankees? The Mets? I, I honestly believe the Dodgers are the okay. team. I think the Dodgers are going to jump. Staying right there in L.A. Yep. And, and going with well, the Dodgers. Well, I mean, my God, you're going to make that in one year on extra stuff. Oh, yeah. But it, it does, you know, it. he feels like a talent that should be in one of the big banner right. baseball. He's already in a, a baseball market, but banner franchises. Right. He's nowhere near the name he should be. Yes. He's Vladimir Guerrero in Montreal. Like, Vladimir Guerrero is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And he, he went from one market in Montreal to Anaheim where he got to be a little bit well, more well-known. But I don't think people understand how great he was. And if he had played in Yankee Stadium, you, he would be in the Monument Valley and he would have his number retired and all things like that. But, you know, that's the play. ultimately it's the player's choice. And players, you know, if you, you go for the money, uh, that might not result in the, the other things. And how good is his son also, Vladimir Guerrero? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, the apple didn't fall from the tree. It yeah. didn't fall far. It didn't fall from the tree. He is the same player uh, from an offensive perspective. The thing about Vladimir Guerrero was I threw every pitch to him knowing I was going to get a swing. So I had to throw the ball far enough out of the middle of the plate that he couldn't put the barrel on it because I did it a couple times. He had a home run off me, a walk-off home run in, in Montreal that had it not – 
been hit, my catcher would have had to slide to block it because it was going to bounce. I mean, that was the kind of guy he was. Did you ever get a chance to hold his bat to see how big oh, yeah. it was? There, there, yeah. I mean, it looked I, like he was swinging a piece of lumber. <laughs> yeah. It looked that yeah, he big. Was. He was. As a kid watching him play, it was huge. I'll, right? tell, you, I'll tell you the one that, that blew me away. You remember Dave Parker? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I grew up a Pirate fan. Yeah. And the Cobra and Pops in the 79. Smoking we cigarettes are, in the yeah, dugout. Yep, yep. And I faced him in one of his life. He was in Milwaukee. And I was facing Rob Deere. And for some reason, I kind of glanced to the side. And I saw a dude on deck, the largest man I've ever seen. I thought he made Frank Thomas look like Jose Altuve. <laughs> He's on the on-deck swing. And there's a, a purple and yellow sledgehammer. And he's swinging it like I would swing a fungo. And I'm like, oh, my God, that man is actually coming to the plate. He got to the plate. And I thought, first off, his strike zone's like 15 feet wide and 19 feet high. Right. He's enormous. But it, the bat, he was swinging like a 38-inch bat, and it looked like a little fungo in his hand. And I was like, okay, I, I got no chance. Different different guys. Unbelievably different. different guys. guys. Yeah. Uh, Cy Young Award winner, who do you like? Let's start with National League. All right, so I'm going to come from a gambler's perspective okay, let's do on it. this first one. We love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, at plus 1,500, I love Zach Wheeler. I've said since he left the Mets that that was the biggest signing of that winner. Um, I think – uh, he's every bit as good, if not as better than Nola, which is still really good. Um, but I love, uh, there's a lot of names you can mention, um, but I'm looking at making the 30 starts, putting a number of innings up to give you the other ancillary numbers. I think he's going to have a monster year at plus 1,500. I love that bet. Got about 45 seconds left, American League. Shane Bieber. Uh, there's a lot of names, and I don't think DeGrom will make enough starts. I think Otani will be a victim of his own greatness. And if he doesn't have the same numbers he had last year, he'll get penalized for it. Uh, Bieber's consistent. He takes the ball. He has dominant numbers, and he's going to pitch 30 games. He's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling baseball show twice a week. It drops Monday, Thursday. Yes, sir. Mondays, Thursdays. It drops Tuesday, Friday. Sorry, yeah. Tuesdays, Fridays. Tuesdays, Fridays. Yeah, it's right there on the screen. Yep. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. I'm enjoying the show. You should check it out as well. The Kurt Schilling baseball show as part of the Outkick Network. Kurt, thanks for coming in and hanging you. out with me fun, for man. this thanks. last hour. Appreciate yeah, it. a lot of fun. Um, Hutton will be back tomorrow. We'll all be back here in studio tomorrow. we got a great guest list for you to close out the week. That's all coming up on our Friday show. Thanks to everyone out there. We appreciate you. We love you. This has been Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.